Welcome to the Humanizing Work Show. Today we're talking about prioritization. How do you decide what to do, in what order, and what to say no to? This is a huge topic that applies to how we individually prioritize our day, how agile teams prioritize their backlogs, and even how companies make strategic choices. There's lots to dig into on this topic, so in this episode we'll share some highlights for how to think about it, and then we'll give you a link to a page in the show notes where we've captured more details. If you know someone who struggles with prioritization, and really who doesn't, please like and share the episode. Leave us a comment if you're watching on YouTube, and like and subscribe to the Humanizing Work Show to get a weekly dose of more content like this. When we've surveyed product owners and product managers on the techniques they actually, not necessarily officially, use to prioritize their work, we consistently hear three answers, or maybe categories of answers. The first category is squeaky wheel. In fact, one CEO we were talking with said that anyone that says anything besides squeaky wheel is lying, which probably says more about that CEO than the process here. The second category is what sometimes is abbreviated as the HIPPO process, which stands for highest paid person's opinion. Also, you know, it's something that happens, but maybe not a great approach in all situations. And the third answer, and this was by far the most common answer, was gut feel or intuition. Now, we expected to hear more analytical answers, like named approaches, spreadsheets, processes that people were using. And many of the people we talked to are fantastic product people. They have strong track records of delivering great products with strong business outcomes. And we thought, you know, if most of them are using a gut feel approach, maybe there's some patterns that are intuitive to them that we could make more visible. So we interviewed several of them, we looked at our own approaches to prioritizing our work, and then we synthesized a lot of the advice and literature about this to boil it all down. And what we found is that there are really about 18 heuristics in five categories that we've named so far. We found that naming these patterns had two big benefits beyond just describing what people do. First, it allows the person prioritizing to better understand, reason about, and even tune their intuition. Second, a clear understanding of why your intuition suggests a decision allows you to bring others along and get their input and discover where you might have some blind spots. The heuristics are also really helpful for personal prioritization. The same rules apply to figuring out what to focus on today and what to say no to. All right, so we're going to run through the five categories and highlight a few examples in each of them. But as we said, check out the link in the show notes to get the whole list of 18 and more information about how to use those. The first category of heuristics is what we call comparison. These are ways of ranking items by comparing pairs of them or focusing on the top or bottom of a set of options. And by far our favorite of these, when we use all the time, is what we call guarantee one. It works like this. Given a set of items that all appear important, ask if you had a magic wand that could guarantee one of these, and you may or may not get the others, how would you use your guarantee? This puts the focus on what you get rather than what you lose and reduces the loss aversion that can sometimes paralyze prioritization. I love this one with stakeholders who are reluctant to prioritize and who insist it's all top priority and we have to have everything. It's like, sure, um, I understand that it's all really important. And I want to make sure we get what we most need. So if you could guarantee one, what would it be? And that often gets people unstuck. The second category of heuristics came down to thinking about value or economics. 
which you might expect with prioritization, especially for backlogs, but it's not always in terms of a precise quantitative model. So two insights from this set. Um, first, many product owners use hierarchical prioritization and use it well. For example, company strategy sets which features get prioritized. So they're sitting inside strategic steps. And then within each feature, user stories get prioritized, et cetera, across various levels of a hierarchy. This seems obvious, but it has the significant advantage of keeping the total list of items small at each layer in the hierarchy. You're not prioritizing, say, 100 user stories. You're prioritizing perhaps eight of them within a feature. The other useful heuristic within the value category is cost of delay, reasoning about how value changes over time. Again, it doesn't have to be precise to be useful. Thinking through when could we experience the value from, say, feature X and from feature Y, and how does that value change over time, often gives the right sequence of items. Category three is what we came to call anti-tyranny of the urgent. Tyranny of the urgent, of course, is the idea that urgent requests can crowd out what's actually important, kind of the fancy name for squeaky wheel. The Eisenhower matrix is one famous thinking tool around this. And two heuristics we like here are questions to slow down urgent items from jumping to the top of the list. One of those is asking what things are at the top just because they have a close deadline or there's a squeaky wheel. What are they crowding out that might be more important? I love that last question because it surfaces the opportunity cost of the urgent. If we decide to put something at the top of the list, it implicitly means we're not going to do another thing. Uh, we recommend a variation on this to teams who get lots of mid-sprint interruptions. What we suggest doing is, during the sprint review, just make visible the urgent things that got done, and then hold them up against the planned things that would have gotten done without the interruptions, and ask, did we make the right trade-off here? Another tyranny of the urgent heuristic is what we call um, prohibit last-in, first-out, which is uh, not usually literally prohibiting that, but pretending the most recent additions to your list, kind of as a thinking tool, just aren't allowed to go to the top. And asking, what would I do next if the most recent additions to my list weren't an option for the top of the list? Then that usually leads to a comparison heuristic to evaluate whether the new item really is the most important versus the thing you would have otherwise done if this new one hadn't jumped in. So it's just kind of a tool to slow you down. An example of this category came up in a recent product owner community of practice session that we were running. And one participant brought, participant brought up how a leader throwing shiny objects at a team can really derail progress and how these and other techniques are an important tool in the product owner's toolbox to keep a team focused on what really matters. He shared how using some of these approaches often shifted the discussion in a positive direction, which helped the team stay focused while not risking his career by simply telling that leader to get lost. Category four is heuristics about considering larger systems, not just looking at the specific items on a backlog or to-do list. For example, uh, thinking about long-term sustainability or which items create more options and then prioritizing to emphasize those factors. Two in this category that we really like are first, what we call the key stakeholders heuristic. This one considers the human system around the team working on a product or around you if you're looking at your own to-do list. Sometimes an item is important not because it's important to you, but because it's important to someone else and that relationship is important to you. This one, by the way, layers really well with strong slicing skills. 
so you can provide value to that stakeholder without investing too much on items that you really objectively don't think are most important. The second systemic one we want to share is what we call batching. Some small things aren't worth the task switching overhead to make their way to the top of the list on their own, but they can have positive results when batched so you can focus on several in succession. One team that we work with had a category of items like this on their product backlog called JDIs, short for Just Do It. These were little items that didn't have enough standalone value to ever make it to the top of the list. And JDIs would actually make it into progress in two ways. Sometimes we've got a bit of slack in our schedule and there's not enough time or energy to start a big new thing, but we can knock out a few small ones. Uh, that team used JDIs that way. And the other approach, which is more close to the term batching, was one that my team used to use. Those small little items really made it to the top of our list either, but every few months we would batch several of them up and create some sort of container for a bunch of cleanup or small tasks. So sometimes this took a few days, other times we had an entire what we called polish sprint, where all we did were the little things to make everything in the product feel better. We kind of thought of this as the desk getting messy over time and then we needed to set aside some time to clean up the desk of our product's overall look and feel. Getting back to the idea of using our intuition as a guide, often we'll have an emotional reaction to a potential thing we might prioritize. And that reaction can be positive or negative. We can be excited or uh, kind of repelled by an item. The heuristics in this fifth and final category, what we call emotion as info, invite us to get curious about what the emotion is telling us. For example, we might have a lot of energy around an idea. The things you're particularly drawn to might be important and purposeful, or they might just be fun. The key move here is treating that energy as data and getting curious about it and what it might tell you. And sometimes the opposite happens. When you think of adding an item to your list, you might groan a little bit and feel stuck. That internal resistance is also a source of info. You might be procrastinating on something because it really is low value and you just feel obligated to do it. Or you might be procrastinating because it's really important and there's a lot at stake. So treat the, the resistance as data and get curious about it. We've mapped out all 18 of the heuristics across the five categories in the article linked in the show notes. Check it out, share it with others, and let us know what other heuristics you've used that we didn't mention. Feel free to ask questions as well if you'd like us to elaborate on any of these in a future episode or article. They've been super helpful to us as we've worked on improving our own prioritization, and we think they will be for you too. Whether you're trying to prioritize your individual work, whether you're responsible for prioritizing for a team, or whether you're working on your company strategy. Mm -hmm.